Kansas City Real Talk brought to you by KCRR. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Garing. What's up, Alex? What's going on? So this episode is is released on August 10th, which happens to be my anniversary. <gasps> and oh. Yeah. And Happy actually, thank you. And uh, so Sarah and I both have the day off today, and uh, which is exciting. And we are going to be doing something kind of fun. We're going to the Nelson, which has some crazy mini golf thing going on right now. And so they've got nine holes that are created by an artist. And we're going to go play mini golf. So uh, I'm assuming it's outside on the front lawn. It's going to be hotter than hell. (laughs) It's going to be way hot. There's no question about how hot it's going to be, but it's only nine holes, thankfully. So we're going to get that done. And then we're going to go into the Nelson. And I haven't been in the Nelson in like, honestly, a pretty long time. It's been a long time for me too. That's what I was just realizing when you said that. I was thinking, you know, I don't know that I've ever even taken my son to the Nelson and he needs to go. Like there's some cool stuff. Totally. I went with my dad all the time or quite a few times growing up. It's just been such a long time. Charlie is not of the age yet where I can reliably take her into a museum. Oh God, no, not even close. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm really of the age yet where you can reliably take me to a museum. You're, um, you're but... getting close though. I'm, I think like the first, well, you know why we went to Chicago when Alex was young and we took him to um, Shedd Aquarium and we took him to Field because there was enough stuff to do yeah. there. And then they have the Children's Science Museum. I, I, take the kids to Chicago even yeah. the age Charlie's at the Children's Science Museum always has really, really cool stuff. But I think the first time Alex went to like a museum, really an exhibit in Kansas City is when he was about, I think it was probably six. And the art of Legos was at Union Station. And so like there was all these exhibits all made out of Legos. And like that was that's cool. Yeah, it was super cool. And there was one like that you could like it was like a made like a bench and you could sit on it. And other ones you could actually touch some you couldn't touch at all. But that was like a little bit of like a kid related and yet yeah. still museum-y, exhibity, hoity-toity thing. thing. Right. I'm somebody, I really have to be doing something at a museum that's fairly interactive. That's really, that's what I like. Or it's got to be science or history related and, you know, yeah. art, while I really appreciate it, I, I struggle to get super excited about going and seeing things that I could feasibly look at online. Right. And I know that it's not the same thing. And I know that there are people that are going to hear that and think that I am trash for saying that, but it's, it's just, I don't, it doesn't like energize me to go and see things in person. Um, the same way that it energizes me to go and experience historical artifacts or, you know, the science-based, uh, material in a museum. So, I'm more of an arts and sciences museum kind of person than a, uh, or a uh, history and sciences museum kind of person versus a art museum yeah. kind of person. Well, I'm a kinesthetic yeah. learner, so I like hands-on things. So Me I too. like exhibits and things I can actually touch and just standing back and trying to judge, you know, uh, you know, with, yeah. with, when, when Mar and I go to Paris, like, yeah, I would like to see the Louvre, but I don't need to walk all the way through. Like I'm cool. Like that's, no eventually someday maybe some point not, in time i'll just do it to do it but i'm not like that doesn't excite me i'd rather go up in the eiffel tower and see that. i'd rather experiences and touching and things totally. like that 
I go in and I'm, it's kind of like wine to me, like wine's fine and everything, but I am not qualified at all to make a judgment on whether or not wine is any good. And the same is true of a Picasso. I am not qualified at all to determine whether or not I, I don't, it's, it's a thing it's there and that's cool. And I can see it. And it's awesome that somebody created that. And I have so much respect for it, but I don't have a taste for it. I can't, you know, I don't have enough background, not enough knowledge to tell you whether or not it's neat or not. I don't know. Right. It's and given all your other interests, you really don't have a desire to learn to know if that's good or not. And that's the thing is, is that sometimes it's okay to like, like what you like and not force yeah. yourself into someone else's box. Like, yeah, I could go learn about it, but that doesn't bring me joy. I'd rather spend time crafting and learning more about the things that I actually do like and that do bring me interest. And if that makes me a less refined human being at the end, because I'm not a wine drinker, like I know nothing about wine. Um, I need it to be sweet. <laughs> That's about it. I don't care after that, like the dry stuff or like telling you what sense I'm getting or what taste I'm getting like, Oh, that one's a little fruity. And that one's woody. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's, not a, that's not a thing. I don't get that. So that's our friend, Michael Pierce, and I have had this conversation and he judges me heavily for the fact that I just don't have to go and see, uh, you know, art in person. We were in, well, when we were in DC and we were going to all the different Smithsonian's and everything, mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, the sciences and natural history and all that kind of stuff and the aerospace and all that. And he's like, right across the street, you can go and see some crazy thing. I don't even remember what it was. And I'm like, I don't care. And then I went on Google and I found a picture of it and I screenshotted it and sent it to him. I go, I can see it right here, right now on this. So anyway, um, he judges me. I judge Michael all the time because he doesn't know how to, to dress like a normal human being. He's always bougie all the time. So I judge Michael regularly. So it's fine. No worries. You know, it's whatever. Fine. It's well, fine. Plus we're going to we're going to, and I know that it, it has it happened yet. Have we had our, no, it hasn't campaign? happened because this oh my is gosh. The August 10th. We, we can talk some smack. Like yeah. that's really why we're bringing up Michael is because our team is going to destroy Michael Pierce's team. Destroy. If you're destroy, if you're on Michael Pierce's team, you better watch out. I'm going to play dodgeball with that softball and it's going to hit you in the face. You know what? If you're on Michael Pierce's team, you're trash, total trash, <laughs> total trash. <laughs> Good luck playing softball while you're sweating through your suits, Michael um, Pierce's team. Is it my bestie Andrea on Michael's team? Yeah, other than Andrea. Okay. That's true for everybody. Other <laughs> everybody than Andrea. except Andrea. You're trash. Andrea, you're safe. Andrea, you're fine. Well, no, she's actually, I called her trash in a text yesterday because she's on her, <laughs> she's on her way to the British Isles right now. It's a, um, it's no, I think I called her a loser. I didn't call her trash. I called her a loser because her and her daughter were supposed to take a trip to the British Isles with the school program. And that got canceled three years ago due to COVID. And they're finally getting to go. But I was like, yeah, she's a loser. She's on, like, she landed in Dublin this morning. Like, whatever, Andrea, you know? So I already talk all her names. So she's probably pretty used to it. Okay, so Andrea, you are trash. Yeah. We retract our retraction. Yeah, you are. Just, you're a loser because you're on Michael's team. I'm not going to go all the way to trash with her. Just loser. That's my level for Andrea. So let's see. I mean, what are we talking about today? We're talking to Audrey Romant. She is a loan officer and an instructor for KCRER on a couple of different classes, usually relating to mortgages and loans and lending and all of that. So um, we're really excited to have her on because we know right now the loan industry is a 
not a hot mess because when we talk to Dr. Yoon, you know, people have better credit scores than they ever have before getting loans. The, the credit industry itself is a much better place than we were during the last recession. However, interest rates are rising and buyers are falling out of contracts, sometimes due to loan issues, sometimes due to other issues. So just going to have a conversation with her about what's going on in the loan and the mortgage industry right now. So timely conversation, at least today on it. I'm sure it will be on August 10th, too. Yeah. And you know what, August 10th, it's going to be your anniversary and I'm going to be on vacation that day. So it's just going to be, <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you where we decided to go for our vacation? Cause we were having mm -hmm. a hard time as a family because it's been a long time. My boys are, my husband and son are well due a vacation because they didn't get to go to the Bahamas. We didn't get to go to Chicago. Like we had to pass up a whole bunch of different things we had planned. And so we had several options laid out. And my son finally was like, this is where I want to go. And we relented. We're going to Sandusky, Ohio. Yeah, that's that's usually the response that people get that I get from people. Well, well Amber's Amber's back and there. Amber sharing. What yeah. in the world? <laughs> Sorry, can so, you give me some background, please? So, what am I missing? So, Tom, so I told Tommy Choi because we're that we're going to end it in Chicago. We're doing a road trip to Sandusky. We're ending in Chicago. So I was telling Tommy we were coming to Chicago, and he's like, "What's in Sandusky other than Tommy Boy?" And I was like, "Great question, Cedar Point." which is supposedly the world's best amusement park. They have more roller coasters than anyone else, but multiple amusement parks slash roller coaster aficionados that I know say that better than Disney, better than Universal, one of the best amusement parks there are. And here's how I'm confident of that. The, you know, you, well, they're owned by the same people that own Worlds of Fun and you can buy the express pass to skip to the front of the line. And like Worlds of Fun, that's like $50 per, per person per day. No, in Sandusky, it ranges based on the day of the week. And during the week, it's $160 per person uh, per day to skip to the front of the line. And on the weekends, it's $250 per person per day to skip to the front of the lines. And one of my friends did it last year and he said it was totally worth every penny that he paid for like buy tickets and express pass for like a family of four. It was like two grand. And he's like, it was totally worth every penny. And I was like... <laughs> But we're going to do it. There's 18 roller coasters and my son is so freaking excited. Wow. So we're going to road trip. We're going to stop in uh, Columbus the first night. And then we're going to go to Canton, go to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Next day, we're going to do Cleveland, do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. See, these are museums I can get behind um, and talking about museums. And then we're going to go into Sandusky for three days. And then we're going to drive into Chicago. I'm going to be at the YP in advance. Elizabeth Mendenhall and I are going to do a really cool project we've been trying to do for forever. But uh, we'll end at the YP in advance uh, as part of NAR's leadership week. So fun. Good I'm excited. 100%. Oh, you have a book bit, I bet. I do have a book bit craziness. Do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey, rare. And I do like that on our last podcast episode that we had, our guest Lee Brown referred to it as Casey Rar, which made me very happy, which means we've trained her well in Kansas City that we are known as Casey Rar. She said it like twice. And I was like, and by ah. we, we mean Bobby has yep. trained, trained everyone. Well, do you know who taught, do you know who taught me Casey Rar? Andrea. Andrea Sheridan. Andrea Sheridan go. is the one who taught me Casey Rar. <laughs> and I picked up on that like, like that. I was like, yes, I like that. I'm going to use that for now. So it's all, this really goes back to Andrea being a loser because she taught there me There we that. go. So, That's right. Yeah. Uh, full circle. Andrea's full total circle. trash. Yep. So my book bit for today 
is All Marketers Are Liars by Seth Godin. And this book is based on the idea that we believe whatever we want to believe. And marketers use this trait of ours to sell their products by infusing them with good stories, whether those stories are actually true or not. Um, the quote from the book is, we drink the can, not the beverage, meaning the advertising towards Coke and Pepsi, we're buying into the can and the design and the marketing, not what's actually contained within the uh, can itself. So the three lessons from the book is successful marketers tell stories people want to believe in. And in this particular section of the book, he actually talks about there's this um, wine glass company and they put together this wine glass, uh, different series of wine glasses that are supposed to bring out the best qualities of different sorts of wines. Now, there's been a whole bunch of scientific testing and things going on that say it doesn't actually influence or change the taste of the wine. However, a bunch of um, wine experts and connoisseurs all swear that the wine tastes better from this particular type of wine glass. And it's where we live in a world because people buy what they want, not necessarily what they need. Most of us have bought a designer piece of clothing, sportswear, uh, or even food from a certain brand, not necessarily because of the quality, though that's what we tell ourselves, but because of the way it reflects our beliefs and our view of the world. You know, it goes back to the Android versus Apple debate that we all get into and fight with each other, but it's more the marketing behind it, not necessarily, and how that makes us reflect in the world versus what the actual benefits are. Uh, the second lesson from the book is you have to want to believe in a story because that's how our brains work. Our brains never compare new things to old things by considering all the features. So like when a new iPhone comes out, you're not thinking back to like, oh, making sure it does all the old things or the things that the old one did. You assume that, but you start looking at all the new things that it can do, like a better camera, maybe it weighs less, or maybe it has a new different, maybe there's a new color that it comes out with. And with each new figure or feature that you discover, your brain instantly start making up um, justifications for why I need this phone, because I need that. You know, my son right now, he's getting ready to turn 10 in September, and he is determined that he's going to get an iPhone 14 for his birthday. And that's a debate we have going on in the family right now. And yet he has done all the research and he can tell you every difference from the 13 to the 14 and all the differences between the four different models of the 14. Like he is way in on that. And then um, finally, the lesson, the last lesson, lesson number three, is that fibs can improve the customer experience while fraud always hurts your authenticity. And it talks about sometimes, you know, we, there's a difference between fibs and frauds and a, a fib might be if you go out shopping for your spouse for a birthday present, you want to surprise them with, but you tell them you were just working late at work. That's not actually fraud. That's just a small fib. Um, and because of little fibs, we can actually make our experiences better. We, that's why that wine glass fib actually works is we want, it just makes our experience better because our brain tells us it's better for us. So fibs are okay to use on occasion as long as they genuinely improve the customer's experience, but customers will always catch on to fraud. It's just a matter of time. So instead target the right people with an honest message from the get-go and build long lasting relationships instead. That is the book 
All Marketers Are Liars by Seth Godin. And we are marketers. So let's make sure we're telling um, as few fibs and definitely not any fraud in our advertising as we can. Good book bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, I liked it. It was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's along the same lines of um, Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook. That's a very similar book with marketing and stuff like that. So gotcha. All right. Are you ready to bring on Audra? Let's go get Audra and bring her on. I'll go down the hall and get her. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. Bobby and I are here with Audra McMahon. Audra, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. So give us a little bit of your history as a lender. What, did, you, did you do anything before that? How long have you been doing it? Who are you with? Give yourself a little shout out. Okay, shout out. Woohoo! I am a certified mortgage planning specialist and certified divorce lending professional. There's less than five in the Kansas City area for CDLP. Less than 2% of people that give a mortgage are CMPS certified. So what that means in regular speak is I implement tax and legal consequence to your mortgage, which is important because it is a very beautiful opportunity to use as a financial tool in advance for tax and then in the end for potential cash flow and retirement, depending. I just finished my review reverse mortgage certification as well. So there's that. I've done mortgages. It's going up on 19 years that I've been in finance. I um, went through the whole 2007 situation where it was just a hot mess back there and we didn't know what was going on. And people think, oh, this is kind of comparable, but it's a little bit different uh, because it's more of a stagflation where we have increased interest rates and increased jobs. So people are still spending money, which is why we're in the predicament of, you know, the Fed saying, I'm going to charge you more. I want some of my money back that I put into this stimulus over the COVID situation. Um, but other than that, I'm a Kansas City girl. I went to Scion for high school, KU for college, and I love math. I love money. I love numbers because they're always finite. One plus one is two, no matter how you feel about it. I love your energy. I'm just ready to like, let's go golf or do something now. I'm, I'm, I'm fully in on this. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. No, I'm always like this too. I, in fact, I'm tired today. I'm underslept. Usually I get nine hours. I think I had five last night. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a coffee drinker. God just made me at an 11. So that's just something to know. You know, some people joke about it, but it's legit how I am from time awake to time until not awake. It's like just a power switch. I'm either on or I'm sleeping. I love it. Well, that's that's a good way to be. That can work mm-hmm. really well. I'm glad, <laughs> are you able to control the switch? Oh, at the end of the day, there is yeah. just a power button that's like, chup, chup. Done. That's amazing. That, that's a practice I need to work on. It takes me a Alex second to take get lessons up from you going. Now, so we're yeah. To- yeah. You, you need to teach that in a class. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been having fun teaching taxation at KCRAR. I mean, it really is a joy for me to break it down into lay terms. But if we want to go through, you know, how to uh, generate yourself every day, why not? I'll give it a shot. <laughs> So you've really interested me with this, uh, taking the mortgage with the tax strategies. Talk to us a little bit about, like, give us like the very short elevator version of that. Okay, so every, every time we spend money, right, we have to pay, well, any money that we earn, we pay taxes on. 
Well, there's an opportunity to write off certain amounts of money that we spend, depending on whether or not that money is eligible according to the government or not. There are things that are tax deductible, like interest, and it used to be mortgage insurance, even though that went away in the Trump administration. But what he added was a higher standard deduction for single than married people. It's a benefit because more people get access to more cash, meaning less people need to itemize or less people find the benefit of itemizing. And when we itemize, sometimes those high interest payments that we make can be reduced from a total amount of taxes that we owe at the end of the year, thus saving us money. Okay, I hope I put that easy enough. If I didn't, I'll say it again in a different way. But it's an opportunity to save at year-end taxes based on monthly expenditure in the event that you're in the qualifying realm according to the government. So tell us a little bit about the lending environment and how, so your energy is obviously something that's super important in the lending environment here in the last couple of years. How has this shift with interest rates going up How, like, tell us a little bit about the market dynamics in general and how things have been Sure, I've always been more of a therapist because this is people's biggest expenditure, right? Uh, You spend the most amount of money typically on your home. Most people generally do not go out and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in one setting, okay? Let alone the speed to which we can do transactions now. I mean, shoot, over at Fairway, we're getting things done in less than two weeks. What? So in a couple weeks, I can sign you up for hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. That's crazy. All right. So speed of transaction is um, something that people are not used to. So it can be a little bit of discomfort, but also there's a underlying FOMO out there, right? That fear of missing out that's driving people and it's still a seller's market. Right now, like I mentioned earlier, the Fed is going to continue to raise rates because people have jobs and we're in an inflationary period of life, which is just the market's natural course correction. It's like burning a field. You got to burn it down to recreate nutrients, to re-stimulate growth. Mm -hmm. That's it. This is not new. If you look over the past four decades, there have been actually, I believe it's definitely four maybe six, I'm sorry, I didn't have my facts, like my actual factual data ready to present. Well, we see, that's that's what people are like. I actually just saw a post earlier today, CNBC had something on like the 12 metro areas on the, uh, around the country where sellers are reducing their price and like 44% of sellers reduce their price. And the post was, it's here it is guys, the market's crashing, the market. The market's not crashing. This is just a typical cycle that we It's course correcting. Yes, Bobby, thank you. Stop getting freaked out, (laughs) y'all. We cannot stay the same. We have to grow. There are certain things that have to decay so that we can normalize. It's not a flat line. That's death. We rise and we lower. Yeah. Inflation is a result of the economy doing too good. And now we need to make it not be quite so good so we can bring everybody back into the realm. And this is an okay thing. Calm it down. I love the idea of the the visual of burning the field. I think that's a really, really good metaphor. I really do. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We'll keep it in your pocket and help get people off the freak out train because really like this is where our futures come from. You have the money, you can spend the money. That's economics 101. If you've got it, you're going to be asked to spend it. Yeah. 
Let's talk a little bit about those interest rates that are changing, that are going up. How are those affecting buyers that are getting near the end of their lock period or buyers, even their purchasing power as we're, you know, going into the market normalizing itself? Sure. Okay. So let me try to address this because if you're locked in, you're locked in. And hopefully your lender did a good job about closing your loan before the lock period expires. Otherwise, you're going to have a higher extension fee because remember, we buy access to a bond, but we're hedging for the value that the bond is going to be worth at the time of sale, which means sale to servicer, whether self-serviced or serviced elsewhere. So we have to sell you money today that we're guessing how much it's going to be worth by the time your transaction closes. That's why you see a little bit sexier interest rate and shorter period of terms, like those 15-day interest rates. Mm -hmm. But a typical transaction is 30 days for most lenders, okay? So that's one. Don't work with a lender who can't close your loan on time, all right? <laughs> Two, um, really, we just have to look and, and be accurate as to how much time it takes. In today's world, over at Fairway, we're doing a lot more to-be-determined loans, getting people all the way through the underwriting process so that we then can take a shorter contract and then negotiate a little bit shorter interest rate, and we can deliver better because we did all the legwork beforehand. Now we just need appraisal title insurance. So that's setting us up to look really good, and anybody that's not doing that really should start practicing that because it's better for the consumer. In fact, over at Fairway, we've developed a program called the Fairway Cash Advantage, where once we send you all the way through underwriting, we will go so far as to say this is same as cash to the seller, where we're going to guarantee this transaction, meaning we've vetted the borrower, we stand by our income and asset review and calculation. And if for some reason they are not um, like something happens, then we would buy the home cash from the seller. Isn't that cool? That is cool. And I, I keep on hearing about programs that are like that. And, and that is an amazing thing. And, and it, it's awesome that the lending industry has uh, put things like that in place so that buyers can feel, uh, so that sellers and buyers can feel more content in their, in their purchase and in their sale. I think that's a really important thing. And I, I'm glad that uh, the lending community has, has evolved to be a, such a strong team player. Uh, now we, we've heard of, uh, of buyers whose deals have fallen through before closing because of making big purchases and all of these things that can impact uh, transactions. I call those the Ten Commandments. By God, don't buy anything, people. And we—that's the question. Tell tell us about those Ten Commandments. What are the biggest faux pas that uh, that buyers make prior to closing? Anything. Do not close anything. Do not buy a new car. You might sleep in it. Do not spend your down payment money for God's sake. 0% interest is still new on credit. Don't do that. Don't co-sign for somebody else that's getting new credit, but in their name that you're responsible for. Don't open a new bank statement. Paper trailing to us is the worst. And then you hate us because we had to make sure that your cash was there. We don't verify cash. Let me tell you this. I'm going to go on a tangent. I one time had a dude, I will keep his name out of it actually falsify a document. He said, this is how much money I'm ultimately going to make after my base and my commissions because I've been in this business for 20 years, but he was an hourly employee. And he said, oh, my base is going to be 120. What, dude? Don't lie. We're going to catch you. And then this poor fellow was actually a reload from out of state. 
he drove three days to be in the greater Kansas City area. And not only on the day, because remember, we're going to verify that you still have a job before we send over money. On the day we sent the money, we verified his income because we do that. Don't be surprised. We're, we don't trust you. You got to prove it. And then we're going to make sure right before we send our cash that it's still the truth. And we verified his income was not 120. It was 45,000. And you want to know what? They said, well, why would this come up? Employer did. Poor sucker after finding out because we said, well, here's the letter we received from you guys. He got fired and we didn't give him the loan. What? That's what's going to happen when you do things with your credit. We're going to, I only had one person ever buy a car and I had to delay their closing to restructure the whole loan. But people are coming up with some juicy, um, I don't know how to say it without being rude, creative possibilities on paper that are not true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny because recently my husband was talking about a friend of his who's buying a house and I'm not helping them and I don't want to help them with that's like one of those and he was saying oh yeah they already bought a hot tub and I'm like they haven't closed on the house yet why did they go buy a hot tub they well, may have just went that whole the bridge. bridge yep go put that hot tub under the bridge it'll be a cold tub yeah you're gonna you're gonna live it I hope you really like this hot tub because you're gonna be living in the hot tub now during the yes. winter because you're not gonna have a house or but the yes. most interesting one that I ever had because we always tell people to don't buy this, don't spend money here. Did all that, but she didn't pay her mortgage for the 60 days we were under contract. This is a long time ago. She didn't pay her mortgage for the 60 days we were under contract. They pull credit there again the day of closing, and all of a sudden mortgage she gets denied late. her loan because she's yep. 60 days behind on her mortgage. So you have to also pay your bills too. Yes, pay your bills, pay your bills, pay your bills. Oh my word. I, I was like, well, and that that particular instance. We had moved stuff into the house over the weekend. She was a single mom. And so she got some friends to help her. So we'd move stuff into the garage. Day of closing, she doesn't get the loan. So then we're there taking stuff back out of the garage. So yeah, that was a really good learning experience for all of us of the both sides of don't buy new things, but keep paying the old things. Yes. If you have it on credit that you need to pay it, keep paying it. In fact, if it's not on credit, if you've made an agreement to pay, okay, you're going to need to pay it until it's paid in full, period. Whatever it is, because even utilities will put a collection on you. Medical collections. I mean, come on your cell phone bill. If you don't return your phone, they're going to put a collection on there. And that's all going to have an impact on the viability of your loan closing. You have got to do what you said you're going to do. Crying and out it's loud. not just the lender pulling, doing those last minute credit pulls because I used to work at the title company and we would do lien pulls every, every morning. We'd pull up whatever our closings were for the day. Let's go figure out what liens have shown up. Multiple people are going to be looking up this and seeing what you're doing. Oh my gosh. And how about just tell us, like if you have a situation and you're hoping to fly under the radar, like, oh, you have a judgment or a tax lien, by God, tell us now and let's situate that and plan to mitigate that situation instead of, oh, they didn't bring it up. So I'm not going to say anything. So I'm thinking about you being on title. Oh, did you know there's a lien on the property that's going to prohibit the seller from selling? Come on, you listing agents, pull that title and help us out in advance. You know, same for your buyers. If you haven't paid your child support and then all of a sudden we register you, guess what? We're going to find out. Yep. 
all those things. It's kind of like the seller's disclosure. Like, well, you didn't ask that question. So I didn't feel like I needed to volunteer that information. Well, yes, yes. You, but let's put it all out in the open and figure out what's actually relevant. What's not relevant. Yes. All right. So the last question we ask all of our guests is what else, what else should we have asked you? What else should we be talking about? What else should our uh, listeners know about the mortgage industry, lending industry? What do you want to talk about? Okay. Here's what I would say. What else? This is normal, all right? If you don't want to rent, you're going to buy a home. So learn how to budget. So here's my selfish plug. I teach a budget class for free. Get yourself your budget situated. You need to know your day-to-day dollars so you can have later dollars. But if you know your day-to-day dollars, you're going to be in a way better position, not just in the short term, but in the long term as well. And then I'm going to go off on a tangent in regard to budgeting that I teach my child. It's called... When you get paid, whether that's your allowance or whatever else, save half, then pay your bills, then you get to eat, and then you can have fun. Get off this millennial whatnot where you go to your parents and ask for more money. Stop that mess right now. You need to have the $100,000 first house, not the $500,000 first house. And I really have a personal moral dilemma with parents that want to gift all of their savings to their 30-year-old children now so that they can buy the million and plus dollar home now. I mean, that's how, that's not really beneficial for the content of our character financially. It's precipitating that fear of missing out situation. So managing day-to-day dollars, learning how to keep a budget, homeownership is still a beautiful asset because it does help with long-term growth. And most people will have a home seven to eight years at least. Mm-hmm. And there's opportunity for growth in there, plus the tax benefit. And I think I what's my final plug? Really now being reverse mortgage certified, owning a home when you're 62, get a freaking reverse mortgage step because that frees up your cash flow. It eliminates your mortgage, principal and interest. You still have to pay occupancy, property taxes, and homeowners insurance. But it's just a great part of your financial plan. Home ownership. Who knew? I love it. Well, thank you for your time today, Audra. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I still hope it was beneficial for you. And it's great to see you guys. All right. We'll see you in the next taxation class or at budget class on Saturday.